0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour. Whether you're listening on JR Live or indeed on our podcast, this is the show where we try and help you make sense of the world of personal finance and help you make better financial decisions. My name is Ruben Zelwa, financial planner and owner at Adapt Wealth Management and today for the very first time we have some in-studio guests and a slightly different topic. So our show today is about helping people when they get into financial distress. What services are available, uh, where can you go for help and importantly is the help that you can get effective in, in getting you out of the difficult situation that you might find yourself. So today I've got two guests. Uh, first, I've got Marilyn Craner, uh, manager of the Indivi- individual and family services at Jewish Care Victoria. Uh, Jewish Care Victoria is a communal organisation which not only provides aged care and disability services to the community, but in Marilyn's area provides financial support, financial counselling, housing, mental health, and general counselling support to people experiencing difficulty in the community. Welcome, Marilyn, great to have you.
1: Thanks very much, Reuben.
0: And as well as that, I've got John Serry. John Serry is a a semi-retired psychiatrist. I don't think you ever fully retire from that job, do you, John?
2: Still doing bits and pieces. (laughs)
0: And and as well as that, he's the chairman of the Empower Interest-Free Loans Committee, which is a program of Jewish care which provides interest-free loans to members of the community for a range of purposes, including education, small business, cars, debt refinance, etc., so I'm going to firstly declare a conflict of interest here. I have been involved with Jewish Care for many years. I've been on the uh, on the loans committee with John for almost 10 years and been involved in a voluntary capacity in the other areas of financial services as well. So if I do start saying we, um, you'll know why. But today I'm asking the questions. And the first question that I have for both of you, um, Marilyn, I might start with you first, is just a general question in terms of what, what impact does financial stress generally have on people in the community?
1: Thanks Reuben, thanks for that question and it's lovely to be here today. I think um, financial stress and financial de-stress is something that we hear a lot about in the uh, mainstream media and sometimes don't necessarily think about it within the Jewish community. There's a a lot of assumptions made that most people in the Jewish community are um, if not well off then at least reasonably well off. Um, Our experience suggests that there are a number of people um, right now who are actually struggling um, and I think the struggles come in the form of a whole lot of psychological impacts, both in terms of people's sense of themselves, their capabilities, mm-hmm. their self-esteem, but also in it impacts on relationships. Yeah. So it has um, extremely distressing impacts on um People who are in partnerships, but also in their people's role as parents and they're mm. feeling capable as being mm. good parents when they're financially struggling.
0: Yeah, so it has a lot of flow-on effects.
1: Absolutely, to different
0: areas of their life. John, what about you? In terms of your, you know, not just in your role at um, at Empower Industry Loans, but in your role, you know, in psychiatry over the years, you're dealing with people. What sort of impact do you see that financial stress
2: has on people? Financial stress impacts particularly on relationships people's self-esteem and confidence going forward. People may react in all sorts of ways to that stress and, and lack of confidence that then flows on to the people they're in contact with. And uh, the reality is that uh, even in p- people who are going along reasonably well, it only takes a couple of sequential mm. setbacks mm. for them to find themselves in difficulty Yeah, and in circumstances where they may make rash or un Uh, careful decisions, Mm. decisions that just compound the problem because they're desperate, they're in a foreign situation, they're trying to get out of it. Mm. They may listen to poor advice and make poor decisions which uh, exaggerate the situation.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting as well, I think from what uh, both of you are saying, I think financial stress doesn't just happen by itself, does it? There's usually a whole lot of other factors involved. I mean, whether you know that's those other factors is what cause the financial stress or the financial stress leads to other sort of areas I mean I know Marilyn in what you do in Jewish care we you know we look at a whole range of issues but but what is there something that typically tends to precipitate the financial stress or
1: I, I think it's really difficult to say but what we know is that there are a number of people who have um, chronic needs that exacerbate or um, cause financial stress. Um, You know, family separation often causes Mm. a a number of issues. Uh, People who are struggling with uh, mental health issues or drug and alcohol issues find themselves in financial strife. But often it's it's not as severe as those those wraparound issues. It, it could be that a loss of a job due to mm. illness mm. can then be compounded with a whole lot of other issues that force someone to be in a position that they're not able to pay their rent or meet their mortgage needs. Mm. So they then get into credit card debt to help cover. And as that exa- you know exaggerates and and there's a roller coaster ride around it. People get themselves stuck. Mm. And um, unfortunately, some of the experience we have is by the time they come seek help, it's often a long way into that. Mm. And the ability to recover can be very difficult. Not impossible, but can be difficult. So um, it's really complex.
0: Yeah. John, what have you seen in terms of the combination of financial stress with other other difficulties, perhaps mental health issues.
2: They chase each other. Mm. Mm. They chase each other and they compound each other. And when you're looking at a a sectional community like the Jewish community, where there is less privacy, there's more knowledge across the community, there's more contact across the whole range of financial levels, people experience expectations, Mm. standards that they're unable to meet, they become distressed. They may gamble. They may make unwise, financially risky mm. decisions in an attempt to improve their situation. And it's a bit like quicksand. The struggling yeah. in that situation only gets them in deeper and deeper.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, uh, picking up on what something you said before is that often it can you know not be. And what you said as well, Marilyn, it can be a relatively well innocuous thing like losing your job, which can change people's situation extremely rapidly. It's sort of, I remember that Jewish Care had a um, the appeal I think a couple of years ago was the theme was one day and saying like everything's going sort of well and then one day sort of something changes. People can go from a fairly sort of Strong, you know, or, or you know, on the on the surface, sort of a affluent position, but but it can shift quite quickly.
1: Yeah, it, it's so true, and it's not just uh, things that happen to individuals; it's also things that just change. So, changes to government um, mm. uh, benefits, uh, small changes that seem to be small, people have kind of created a life to manage their finances. And when there's a change in that, which means they have less finances Mm. to use, their ability then, when it's coupled with increasing costs of utilities, Mm. increased cost of living, suddenly shifts and the the balance is ticked in a negative way for them through nothing that they've done themselves. So it's, it's a really unfortunate situation. And we see a number of people who are on the edge that way, who have been kind of surviving Okay in a way mm. that's worked and suddenly a change in a in a benefit or an yep. increase in the cost of electricity and suddenly mm. their ability to manage really shifts. Yeah,
0: there was we actually were discussing on the show either last week or the week before about the changes in age pension. Yeah. And everyone was talking about the, the big changes in superannuation. But you know, one January this year a lot of people um, either either lost their age pension altogether or had it significantly reduced. And I think it was one of those issues that the media only sort of picked up towards the end. But I can imagine, you know, that had a a very big impact.
1: Absolutely. And it's not just the age pension. You know, there's been a recent change to the school kids bonus, which provided Mm -hmm. those on low incomes or on pensions with some funding to pay for um, children's school books. Mm. Well, we've had a number of people come to us and said, well, I didn't pay my rent this month mm. because I needed it now to pay for school books mm. and now the real estate agent is yeah. is chasing me for the money I haven't paid. Yeah. So slight changes have absolutely massive impacts yeah. and the Jewish community is not immune to that.
2: Mm.
0: Mm. And, John, I remember we were having a discussion, uh might have been a couple of months ago, at our Loans Committee. We were saying about, you know, this sort of... Um, The sort of safety um, pocket that people have in terms of you know a couple of months' worth of rent or whatever is extremely low. I can't remember what the what the stat was. The
2: figures of people who have two thousand dollars in personal savings Mm. to meet untoward events is at least thirty percent of the population who do not have that and do not have the capacity to have access Mm. to capital when they need it. Yeah, which may be for a car repair. It may be for Uh, an illness event. It may be for uh, even celebrating a simcha. Mm. So there's very little resource in a lot of people's lives to adjust and adapt to things that happen in the ordinary run of events. Mm.
0: Mm. Yep. So um, I guess dealing with these issues is complex. It's generally not just one thing that people need help for. Um, where do people, leaving the Jewish community aside for one moment, because we'll talk about Jewish care, but in general, uh, Marilyn, where do people, where do, where can people turn to for help when they get into these situations?
1: Look, there there are a number of different ways people can receive help. So one thing that a lot of people don't actually know is that there is um, a number of financial hardship opportunities through utility companies, mm-hmm. with banks, with credit creditors that. Um, give people an opportunity to advocate for a a holiday period or a break or a a reduced payment when they're experiencing hardship. Mm -hmm. Now most banks and most uh, utility companies don't don't necessarily advertise that. Um, and People don't necessarily know how to access it but it's really important therefore that they um, connect with an organisation that has the experts that can help um, educate them on how they themselves can advocate or how they might in fact advocate on Mm -hmm. their behalf. Um, Right now, you can see in the papers regularly, Salvation Army, Smith Family, everyone's crying out about uh, financial distress and the housing situation for many people Mm. um, and people's inability not only to get into the um, market to Mm. buy houses, Mm. but just to keep up with the rental market Uh, means that so many charities are really kind of stepping in to try and assist.
0: So obviously, Jewish Care offers financial counselling services, but what other organizations in the community provide financial counseling?
1: Um, Financial counseling is um, Commonwealth funded uh, initiative and um, whilst unfortunately Jewish Care doesn't get any of those Commonwealth funds um, there are some services um, in the southern region that do get those funds and some of the city councils provide that and certainly the legal services often have financial Mm. counsellors as well. Um, But but really, um, the problem with the financial counselling situation at this point is because they don't have a lot of funding attached, there are very long waiting yep. lists. And I guess yep. we're lucky. The Jewish community is really lucky because at Jewish Care, the wait isn't particularly no. long. We have really accredited yeah. financial counsellors yeah. there.
0: But we're, um, we're obviously, yeah, that's being funded by... By donations donations. effectively, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it is
1: being funded by donations and that's, you know, whilst there was some funding at the beginning, I mean, it's always hard for um, us to, you know, what we want to do is serve our community Mm. and where we see there's a need, that's where we'll put the money towards because it's, um, you know, it's been recognised and understood that people need support in both advocating for their financial Mm. needs, but also in increasing their knowledge base about how to manage finances.
0: Yeah, John, you've also been uh, you know, involved in the financial counselling era in Jewish care for a number of years. and Obviously, you were involved with, with the Loans Committee well before that. How have you seen the impact of, of the financial counselling service on, well, on what I Jewish think care does? the natural
2: response of people is to turn to family and friends first. Mm. And while that can be a very welcoming and supportive situation, there are often real complications with that. Family and friends may not have the expertise themselves, there's a loss of privacy, there's a loss of independence mm. that's all involved and it may not equip the person to gain the strengths and resources that they need which they can get from making a less personal approach to a professional service mm. that understands the situation more totally and can work as their advocate in dealing with with situations. So while family and friends are an important source of support, it's really important to also engage a professional resource mm. to get the right advice.
0: Mm. Yeah. And have you seen, uh, in terms of your, your experience in Jewish care and how, how effective it's been over that
2: I think huh? as soon as Jewish care offers the capacity, the demand appears mm. because the demand is always there and uh, it's simply a matter of providing the service and for people to access it. yeah. Mm. And once people gain confidence that that's a legitimate and positive step that doesn't reflect negatively on them to seek that assistance and they get benefit from it, then uh, it proves its value.
0: Yeah, so Maren, can you maybe just give us a bit of insight into how the Process works of someone seeing financial uh, seeing a financial counsellor because as John said it's probably sometimes a difficult step, uh, and you want to make it as easy as possible. But how how does it actually work? That
1: sure. Um, Firstly, I could say that already there's around um, currently around one hundred and sixteen individuals and couples who are utilising the services of financial counselling, and your time with a financial counsellor could be. Uh, range from one session to a number of sessions, depending what the issues are. Some of the things that financial counsellors do do um, is can be around um, ensuring that the the creditor who's knocking at the door is actually um, managed in a way that lends itself to you being able to keep your house to you being able to hold on to a rental property um, and to manage some of the the utilities for example but really one of the things that's really nice about financial counseling is that it is, a confidential anonymous um, anonymous in terms of not everybody in the community needs to know that you've come but it's a confidential service um, and really they are there as your advocate mm. so um, the process at this point is you call Jewish Care you ask to speak to financial counsellor in general you'll get a call back there'll be some conversations on the phone and you'll be um, invited to come in and really talk about your situation and what sorts of needs you have mm. the the Biggest and most important thing is that people should know that the earlier they come in with their issue, no matter how small it might seem, the more likely we'll get some positive results. Mm. And we've had some fantastic outcomes. Mm. We've had foreclosures on homes that have been turned around. We've had people have had, you know, threats of um, gas and electricity being cut off and they've had holiday Mm. periods. We've dealt with banks. We've got um, a number of debts... um, um, thrown out so there's a whole lot of work that's Mm. done um, and hopefully people leave their time with a financial counsellor more confident about their own abilities Mm. to then plan and manage funds that goes forward.
0: Yeah and I mean that probably leads on to the next question I was going to ask is how how effective you know do we know that the financial counselling is? Obviously you've got some anecdotal you know uh, evidence but, but, but how do you know that we're actually given the complexity in people's situations, that we're hitting the mark and really helping them?
1: Yeah. Look, we're really in a unique situation at Jewish Care because our financial counsellors are part of a broader program. Mm. So often when someone might come, and and they don't necessarily always come to see a financial counsellor, they might come saying they're having some housing problems, Mm. but no matter what, The issue is when you come into Jewish care, what we do is do a really holistic assessment of need and then the endeavour is to wrap around services to the individual. We're not trying to get you to fit into our program Mm. criteria. What we're really trying to do is ensure that your needs are met holistically from from a really good integrated service response. And we know that works because we know that people who have come and have spent um, some time um, with with our social workers, with our financial counsellors, are not only financially better off but emotionally and socially much more stable and secure because we are able to look at the whole needs of the individual, the whole needs of the family and we kind of look at how we as an organisation and then alongside us with our partner organisations can best meet the needs of individuals and families. Yep,
0: yep. I just want to go back to, as I said, you know, you sort of touched on at the very beginning in terms of the... um, you know, the perception of being that the um you know the Jewish population is quite yeah. affluent. And you know, you gave me some statistics before which um which are quite telling. That is that eighteen percent of the Jewish population has a weekly income of between two hundred and four hundred dollars a week. Um but the median week weekly rental costs are in the range of three hundred, you know, to three hundred and sixty dollars per week in, in the suburbs where a lot of the Jewish populations are. So I mean, as, as I said, there's a lot of talk about how how expensive housing has got for people purchasing, but, um, you know, what may be forgotten is the rental market as well.
1: Absolutely. The rental market um, is, is um, kind of crazy. It's soaring out of control um, For particularly for the suburbs that the Jewish community um, collectively want to Mm. reside. And whilst um, it's easy for someone in the general population to say, well, okay, then I'll just move out to Cranbourne or perhaps I'll go down to to Dandenong because they're cheaper um, rents. You know, if you go to a Jewish school, if you belong to a mm. synagogue, if you want to stay within community mm. your the radius in terms of how far you can live um, starts to get diminished unless you're happy to drive your child for two hours to get to school. So mm. um, you know, there is a constant Struggle around how do we keep negotiating with government? How do we um, try and seek those who have properties to make some of those available Mm. as affordable housing? Mm. Because really. The community wants to stay together. It needs, parts of the community need to stay in close proximity mm. to elements that are important for their lifestyles and for their religious life. Um, and we really need to, to collectively find mm. ways in which to support them.
0: Well, at one point there was a community that was starting in in Frankston mm-hmm. uh, and I think there have been talk about a couple of other areas at different times, but it, but none of them seem to have really kicked off, have No, they?
1: no. And there is talk, and it, it, it makes sense there's a lot of talk, but the reality is unless the infrastructure mm. um, is prepared to go out there, unless, you know, the synagogues and the, you know, the mikvah and all the places that people mm. need to frequent, unless they're already established or are the priority of establishment in other areas, mm. people won't go there. The, those that can do, like we have a large secular Jewish community and they do spread themselves out. Southeast is being occupied by a lot of the Jewish community, even yeah. north in Richmond. But there are segments of the community that will find it very hard to leave the hubs.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you're listening to the Finance Hour on Jair. Uh, we welcome your text messages at 047 at any time over the next uh half an hour or so. We're going to take a quick break, then we're going to come back and talk a bit more about the uh, Empower Interest Free Loans. Welcome back to the Finance Hour, whether you're listening live on jr or on our weekly podcast, which I might say is very well edited by my son Ariel Zelwa. So thank you, Ariel. Now, we're speaking with, uh, with Jewish Care about financial need in the Jewish community. Uh, we're now going to move on to talk about Uh, the Empower Interest Free Loans, which is still a very, um, you know, still not that well known in the community, although it's getting better well known. John, you've been the chairman for 20 plus years, but obviously the history of the interest free loans goes well beyond that, doesn't it?
2: Yes. uh, In 1888, one of the first institutions established in the Melbourne Jewish community was an interest free loans uh, option to help people establish themselves and uh at the same time ask them for their commitment and responsibility in in repaying loans. So it's, it's an option of help which is not a handout charity, it's a hand up. It's about getting people to exercise their own choices and their own capacity to utilise access to finance that they might not be able to get otherwise and interest free provided by their community. So there's no face-to-face lending, there's no loss of status or putting them in an inferior position. They can come virtually anonymously, request assistance, accept the responsibilities that are attached to that and uh, utilise the value that that gives them in terms of improving their life situation.
0: And, John, one of the most common questions we get from people when they hear about um, the interest-free loans is where did the money come from?
2: The money's always been obtained uh, fundamentally from pri- private uh, donations and some from an organisation called The Joint, which operated to help um, people re-establishing their lives after the Holocaust and uh, who migrated from Europe. And now it's really uh, requires ongoing donations to supplement the money so that we can expand the service that we offer. But because our uh, our clients are so diligent and repayment is virtually full, it gives us a quantity of money that can be recycled and uh, continually provided to the community. We have all of our um, services supported by the Social Justice Programme of Jewish Care, so all of the money that's been donated to us becomes available to be used as loans and to be recycled for future loans as they're repaid.
0: Yes. Yeah, so just to give um, give our listeners some idea of the um, the scope, I mean, the the interest-free loans um, has just increased enormously over the last few years. Yes.
2: In the last 10 years, we've gone from a loan book of 100 people to over 300. Wow. Uh, Our loan limits go up to $25,000, an average of about $12,000 for loans. Um, We've grown that way because of private endowments and, as I've said, the preservation of the funds to be used exclusively for loans. Mm.
0: So, uh, Marilyn, obviously, um, Jewish Care very much supports the administration. So, as with financial counselling, can you give us just a bit of insight as to how the process works in terms of someone applying for a loan.
1: Absolutely. Um, It's also, it's worth having a look at the website because it has a full um, narrative around what the loans can be used for. But Mm -hmm. in general, there's a broad range of um, loans available. And really what happens is that, um, again, call Jewish Care and ask for an interest-free loan. And then you'd be asked uh, a little bit about what the loan's for. We'd look at your ability to repay the loan over what period of time, Um, and then um, a relationship is established with what uh, our loan officers, who are known as relationship mm. officers, will talk to you about what your endeavour is. For example, if you're looking for a start-up business loan and you're needing um, some cash availability, we'd be really interested to understand your business mm. loan. We'd even be interested in helping you, mentor you around mm. the business loan as well. Given that you know startups are a hard bit of work, but really once we collect all the information and you feel confident secure that you're able to repay we do um, ask that we have uh, that you identify some guarantors people who are willing to back you up should you be in a situation when you can't pay that loan Mm. Um, and then that information anonymously um, as john mentioned goes to the loan allocation committee for uh, for consideration and
0: and that's something that comes up a bit when people first hear about and they hear about the requirement for guarantors and sort of it sounds a bit onerous, um, sometimes that can initially be something that turns people off. What's, um, you know, what, what's generally the, the, the approach to that, John? Is, have you found that, that that's been a turn-off or is it an important part of it?
2: I think some people balk at it because they want to keep their situation as private as they possibly can. Uh, in general, we feel our responsibility as custodians of public monies mm. is to ensure... A maximum repayment of those for others to utilise and, and most people come to appreciate that. Um, most of our borrowers uh, have a very satisfactory experience with the loan process. In fact, uh, a third of them come back for subsequent loans. Virtually all of our referrals come from people recommending the loans process mm. to family and friends. And many of our Previous borrowers go on themselves to become guarantors because Mm. they understand the importance of that Mm. responsibility and, in fact, go on to become donors and supporters. Yeah. So that uh, it's a very user-friendly option and very much about rewarding people for their initiative, rewarding people for their responsibility and helping them achieve the goal they have set Mm. themselves. We don't Mm. tell them what to use the money for. Yeah. We take their choices... Their priorities, and we enable them to achieve that more readily.
0: Mm. And I suppose the process for um, borrowers actually asking guarantors adds an extra level of responsibility from their perspective, because they're, they're typically asking, you know, family and friends to be, you know, to be their guarantors. So, you know, they, they've got a real personal, um, you know, in, involvement in it.
2: Yes, and if for some reason there is a person who under particular circumstances, is in extreme situation, and unable to obtain guarantors. They may have just arrived in the country, or they may mm. be in a particularly unfavourable situation. We seek to assist them, and uh, make the loan possible, as long as we are convinced of their bona fides and convinced that they have the capacity and intent to repay the loan.
0: Mm. So, I guess um, what our listeners might also be interested in is, you know, can uh, a lot of these borrowers can that Are they locked out from approaching a bank or getting a loan in some other way? Are they sort of people that seem to be locked out of that banking type system, or, or, or where do they fit?
1: Um, ideally, we'd like to give anybody in the Jewish community funds um, through an interest-free loan, but really our target is those that really will have some difficulty getting bank loans, um, either because they're new to the country or just because of their financial situations. That doesn't mean we don't in, um, certainly explore their ability to repay interest-free loans, but we also know that for many, um, their ability to um, uh, kind of get on with their life because of um, uh, with, with additional funds is is really um, significant and so to be able to play a part in that um, is really important to us. So mm-hmm. we support pensioners who are looking to get you know perhaps a fridge is broken down mm. or they're looking to um, perhaps uh, engage in their grandchild Simcha and they mm. can't uh, they don't have funds readily available. Um, we support um, couples who are endeavouring um, to renovate a home um, who might be needing a car, who might be wanting to enhance their education so there are lots of opportunities alongside businesses mm. um, to, um, prov- to to get an interest free loan but most importantly I mean if people do have ready access to bank loans then and that, that we'd encourage them to do that but we certainly are first. a backup yeah. for people.
0: Yeah and John, I think um Probably our listeners would be interested in in a couple of stories or a couple of a okay, couple so of examples. Our
2: loans range from purely compassionate loans, family reunification, a chance to visit a seriously ill relative overseas, uh, a chance for uh, a bride to bring her prospective groom uh, into Australia when there were important costs involved that she wasn't able initially to meet. We've helped a mother go and. Uh, visit her injured son, who'd served in the Israeli army and was coming out of rehab and needed somebody around to support him through the later phases of his recovery. So we have those sort of loans which are fundamentally compassionate. We have healthcare loans, we have education loans, and then we have loans, as you've said, for, for business purposes where people may have an established business and an opportunity to expand it, mm. or somebody with a startup up business and a good idea or people who have a business with a particular social initiative advantage to the community. So it might be in terms of kosher catering. It might be in terms of assistance for people in their rehabilitation from prison. It might be businesses that have a social meaning as well as a Mm. personal meaning to the person involved. So we're happy to help right across the board and right across the community. Mm. We Mm. don't differentiate in terms of age. We don't differentiate in gender. We don't uh, differentiate in terms of the way they identify themselves as Jewish. Mm. It is open to every member of the Jewish community, irrespective of how they express their identity. And uh, we're very proud of that. And it's really important that we are open to everybody. And
0: I guess what a really powerful part of it as well as the average loan is sort of three years so literally every three years that same pool of funds is then helping the next
2: we had a, a wonderful donor who in fact was a, a friend of my father's who donated us uh, fifty thousand dollars in 1953 that particular fund had donated over 1.2 million dollars in loans by 2013 mm. 60 years later and the money is still there available in that man's Great grandchildren's yeah. generation. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's amazing sort of leverage from a, a particular donation. I want to talk a bit about um, one loan area that I'm personally quite passionate about, and that's the sort of the what we call financial freedom loans, or helping people get out of debt. Um, you know, credit card debt is a very, very big problem in the community, and you know, a lot of people can have credit card debts up to twenty five thousand dollars or even more, at sort of interest rates of nineteen percent. So. I sort of run some numbers before in terms of someone who's got like a twenty thousand dollar credit card debt, who might uh, which is outstanding, and they might have a nineteen percent interest rate. Uh, assuming they could repay four hundred dollars per month, which might be a tough ask anyway, it would take them about ten years to pay off the loan, and they'd have total repayments of forty three thousand. So that'd be twenty three thousand dollars of interest. Obviously, if they can get an interest free loan for that and pay four hundred dollars a month, then it would take them four years only to pay it off. And they would save six years off the loan and $23,000 in interest charges. So that's somewhere where we can have a pretty good effect. But obviously it comes with extra complexity, doesn't it? Because people can can increase their credit cards for a lot of different issues, a lot of different reasons. Um, You know, you see a lot of people at companies advertising out there trying to roll people's debt together and saying that they're going to simplify it. Um, but obviously the issue is, is when you help people, helping people with debt, um, and you know paying off credit cards, that they can always, you know, open them back up again once they've got another loan, and that 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 I see has become a real problem in the community. So how, Aaron, how do we, um, you know, how do you best deal with that to once again make sure that you're having a positive impact, uh, and not not continuing the cycle
1: well that again that's the kind of luxury working organization that has multiple um, microfinance type programs so for those that do come to seek a loan um, uh, for debt consolidation um, often are also then supported by financial counselors who um, alongside the loan or sometimes in replacement of or just in addition to you know help skill up people to understand the real re- ramifications of mm. ongoing um, debt Um, uh, debt build up. So Mm. I think really what we try and do is first of all look at ways in which um, people are entitled their rights in terms of um, credit card debt and what's happened around that, um, uh, create some um, – through financial hardship, but then we look at how the loan itself – Um, Can have some education um, coupled alongside Mm. it. Uh, Jewish care does a lot around financial education, and there's a um, we we certainly have a bulletin that comes out quarterly that's about. Um, making sure people are alert and aware at some of the um, problematic uh, lenders out there that will make promises like we'll get rid of all your debts or we'll consolidate your debts, but in fact you end up paying more at the end. So Mm. um, it's really important that anyone in that situation come in early and then are matched with potentially an interest-free loan as well as some counselling, financial Mm. counselling.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We are talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago about loans and, and home loans and the way they're structured and it used to be, you know, in a previous generation where you'd take out a home loan, you know, for 15 or 25 years and you just pay it off. And that'd be that. Now, you know, we've got these lines of credit and interest only loans that, you know, people can just keep loans and they hit their mid 60s and they've still got it outstanding. And each time they've got a, a credit card, you know, that gets a bit too high, they just sort of refinance it and roll it into their loan. And that's sort of, you know, why they might get at a reasonable interest at home loan rates, they're just. know continuing continuing the problem so that you know this sort of innovation in in banking and mortgages i I think to a large extent has worked against you know what what people should really be doing Mm.
1: it it certainly works against them if they're not educated Mm. alert and aware which is why Mm. we think financial literacy is really important and we do see many people coming to us um uh, at retirement age, late 60s, early 70s, finding themselves at a time when they should be relaxing and mm. enjoying um, mm. the, the their retirement period in, in as much... Um, financial um, um, hardship in, in ho- owing as much money as they did many years ago because of the way lines of credit are yeah. available. So it it is tricky. It's a great, it's something good to access when you can, um, as long as you're really aware um, and alert to what some of the ramifications mm. can be in the long term. Mm.
0: John, have you, we started doing those uh, debt consolidation, or what I prefer to call financial freedom loans, about five or six years ago? How have you seen the that, impact that of
2: community- that community? We had misgivings when we started. We were unsure as to how this, these people who'd created those debt traps for themselves, how they would behave. They've been an exemplary mm. client. They've been exemplary in repaying their loans and in adjusting their lifestyle, budgeting, not overspending. And the relief that they get, although the figures that you've cited, Reuben, are very impressive, the relief they get in terms of not having a debt hanging mm. over their head that they can never get rid of the impact of that on family life, the impact on that of making even minor family financial decisions that they're freed up to make because of that debt being alleviated. And when we're careful in making assessments that these are people who are showing responsibility, who've only got into these traps because of unfortunate circumstances, that when we help them, they turn the corner and they start to get Mm. control of their life And their quality of life is dramatically improved.
0: Yeah. And that's really the point, isn't it, that we want to be an agent for change um, in terms of how we can help people.
2: There are people who, unfortunately, out there have got impossible life situations. And they can only be assisted by a rescue handout. And there's a place for that. But in terms of adding to people's life in a constructive way, we need to help people make the changes that give them independence to go ahead and not get into problems in the future.
0: Yeah. Now I just want to go. Um, we've just had an SMS come through, and I welcome any more on oh four seven double eight triple two five eight. So this is probably a, a good question for you, Marilyn. The, the question is: Is what ages do people make mistakes more often? Uh, are there critical ages or periods in, in life where people are more vulnerable?
1: Such an interesting question and I'm smiling because I feel... If you look at my bank account, it's a regular mistake that I can make. But um, sometimes it's mistakes, and sometimes it's it's life events. I think you know there is greater emphasis currently on educating um, children um, and high school children about mm. finances. Um, I think that's really important. Um, what they get out of it is is tricky to know because they haven't entered necessarily into a working life mm. to kind of know what that all means. But certainly, once someone gets at, into university, it's really Really, um, or started some employment. It's really an important time to sit with somebody um, to to talk about what it what it all the finance world means. There are so many mixed messages, there's so mm. many um, uh, bits of language around shares and superannuation and even just understanding what um, your payslip means mm. can be a bit daunting. And so um, most people luckily have friends and family they can go to to get some advice um, or, or uh, get some understanding. But for those that don't or those that want professional, you know, there are financial planners or financial counsellors depending mm. what the issue is. Um, ANZ did do some research um, recently. That that looked into financial literacy. And we do know for women in particular, um, um, their financial literacy is on par generally with men until they reach the age of childbearing years. Mm. For those that have children because of a change priority, they often at that point in time um, pay less attention to financial Mm. matters um, um, until children then leave home. Often at that time they kind of um, look to their finances and are not really sure what's Mm. going on. That's okay if your partner's travelled along a journey with you, mm. but if something has happened, unfortunately, and you're no longer with your partner or you finds yourself alone, um, then you, you're kind of chasing your tail to try and understand yeah. what's happened with your finances and what your super means and mm. have you been contributing enough, etc. So we really think it's important that people at all stages of their life, really understand their finances. And mm. in fact, tonight we've got a financial mm. literacy forum specifically for women mm. um, by Esther Oldhouse, who's coming yep. to speak to us at Beth Wiseman at 7 o'clock tonight um, about women and financial literacy mm. um, and the importance of that. And that's a, a free event as part yep. of our financial literacy Terrific. series.
0: Yeah, no, it's really important because I think, um, you know, I guess with, you know, young families and time constraints and the like, things... You know often get delegated to sort of one one partner, and that can be risky. I actually had a um someone who came to see me who um who was divorced um but before she did a you know she'd been um guarantor for all these loans and directors on businesses, and in the end the husband you know went bankrupt and effectively she did by default as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know she sort of said to me when I met her she said, you know you just shouldn't
2: be signing things that you don't know what they mean look there are no ages that are immune once Mm. you get past childhood Mm. uh, you can get into bother and I guess in early adult life it's living a lifestyle that you can't properly sustain that tends to get you into problems Mm. then there's the costs of family and children and going from a two income to a one income family breakdown of families later on it's more related to health events and uh, there are no time there's no time that's immune and and we've got to learn different skills to deal with the different stages that we have to go through
0: yeah Well, you're listening to the finance hour i'm speaking today with uh marilyn craner um the manager of individual and family services at jewish care and john seri semi-retired psychiatrist and chairman of empower interest-free loans so um john might just go i mean the interest-free loans obviously we've had some enormous growth um you know I remember a couple of years ago we were thinking we were the best kept secret in the community I don't think that's really the case anymore <laughs> um, but you know where where do you see things going from here any sort of changes you expect in the future or or you know how can we keep doing the the job that we 're doing?
2: I think we're constantly looking at new avenues to help people uh, We're specifically looking at loans to women uh, because mm. women have been less well-treated mm. uh, financially within, within our community, whether it's low wages, whether it's uh, being responsible for family with breakdown of uh, relationships and uh, the general lot role as carers that they provide, either within their family or for their children. So we thought that there should be some emphasis and focus on providing financial access to women it's been a worldwide phenomenon. We, mm. People have won Nobel Prizes for providing mi- microfinance to women at high interest.
0: Mm. Muhammad Yunus, you're Muhammad referring to. Muhammad
2: Yunus in, in Bangladesh. Yeah. The the offering of the interest-free loans that you're hearing about here today is is unique across the community. It's reproduced, as I think we mentioned briefly, in other Jewish centres around the world. It draws very heavily on Jewish tradition and the teaching, particularly of Rambam Maimonides, a a 12th century Jewish rabbi and physician, where the community has the onus and responsibility to look after its members and to not charge interest Mm. and to give that assistance, to empower people, to give them the freedom of choice and that's a, a wonderful offering and one would hope that there are going to be other communities whether they're religiously based or ethnically placed or even credit society based within the australian community that would take up this initiative because it's such a valuable mm. asset so um the um there is some low interest and interest-free component available in the general community now as well which has developed over the last 15 or 20 years, but this is an offering that's been available for now 130 years and uh, remains strong and grows and has provided assistance and a start in people's lives uh, who've gone on to to great success.
0: And Marilyn, just in 30 seconds, um, how are Jewish Care sort of evolving their services to the community?
1: Jewish Care is constantly reviewing and looking at what the need is. Um, We generally, like I said, try not to get people to fit into our programs. We'll try and wrap Mm -hmm. services around. So 85175999 is our number. Please ring, particularly for this segment, for any financial needs that you have, and we'll try and work with you to overcome some of those issues.
0: Terrific. Well, thank you very much, uh, Marilyn and John. It's been great to have you today. Uh, Just my final segment... Uh, which I do every week is called my propeller head of the week. So, the propeller head of the week this week is along the theme of what we're talking about in terms of credit. I'm actually going to talk about credit cards. So, obviously, the key the key issue with credit cards is that you always pay them on time. It's fairly obvious, and you know because often you'll get 50, up to 55 days interest free. Um, but if you don't pay it on time, you get charged up to 19, 20% interest. And they backdate it back to when you first made the payment, not the end of the interest free. So what it means is it's really, really important to pay off your credit card debt when it's due. And it can easily be overlooked for a number of reasons. You know, just, just, you know, the statement comes and I know we don't check our mail that often. um, But what you can do is set up actually a direct debit to pay off your credit card. So I think that's a really good idea. So you can, almost all the banks allow you to do that. You set up a direct debit so the outstanding balance of the credit card gets debited from your bank account on the due date without you having to worry about it. Now obviously you've got to make sure you've got enough money in your bank account on that date um, but it is a a fail safe method of making sure that you pay off your credit card in, in full when it is due and avoid that nasty interest. Okay that's all from us for the finance hour this week. Uh, we look forward to, um, to seeing you again next week on the show and, um, we wish you all the very best.